Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we've got a female-centric episode. It's one that we're really excited about, and uh, it's actually two properties that were spinoffs from male-led properties, Mm -hmm. and we're going to be doing... Supergirl from 1984, and She-Ra, the filmation cartoon that was a spinoff from He-Man from 85 through 87. So it's uh, they're both super powerful characters, super female characters, <laughs> if that's a thing. <laughs> Pretty cool. I know this is a movie that you specifically wanted to do. I think I found this movie in our VHS collection, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure it was one that our mother recorded off of television. I don't think we actually owned the, the VHS. I think it was one that she recorded either off of a TV showing or off of HBO. I'm thinking HBO because I don't remember there being any commercials in it. Okay. Anytime we got that free weekend of HBO, our mom was big into just recording pretty much any movie she could. Yeah. And I remember finding this one. I know I watched it quite a bit. When I was, oh, I probably was like maybe 10 or 11 when I sort of found it in the collection. Or maybe mom showed it to us. I don't really mm-hmm. remember. I just remember watching it quite a bit. Good. I don't remember watching it quite a bit. It's obviously one that you knew better than I did. I probably saw it when I was younger, mm-hmm. but I don't remember a damn thing. So it's basically new to me <laughs> okay. uh, watching this movie this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then She-Ra. I mean, so He-Man was definitely your kind of thing. Did you uh, you watch She-Ra when you were younger a little bit? I do remember watching She-Ra. I mean, He-Man would make crossover appearances in it, and I, I usually they showed them back-to-back, He-Man and then She-Ra, and I remember watching them both. Okay. Yeah, again, that one was one that you probably watched more than I did. Right. I mean, it ran from 85 to 87. I was two by the time that show was off air, and it might have probably went through some syndication, but it's not one that I fully remember at least as as better as you do yeah so supergirl flew into our hearts in 1984 what else flew into our hearts in that year john so supergirl came out november 21st of 1984 the billboard top 100 song of that week honestly it's a song that i, I a lot of people i think used to think was a bit cheesy but uh it's made a little bit of a, a surge and a comeback lately and that's uh, wake me up before you go go by wham wake me Yeah, that definitely was like a classic cheesy song, but now I just kind of hold it in enough nostalgia that I'm just like, oh, fuck yeah, fucking wham, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's been fun because some of these 80s, older 80s songs have made their way into newer cartoons and animated movies, and my children have gotten into them. So this is one of my son's favorite songs, huh. along with. Uh, aha's take on me uh, and just because he'd heard them in movies good choices so good choices it's, it's been great because i've been able to go back and revisit a bunch of 80s songs with them to see if they like that part of it it's been fun nice just a couple of other uh, interesting facts 
uh, from 1984. Uh, During the Los Angeles Olympics from that year, McDonald's held a campaign for if the U.S. wins, you win. And you would get free food if the U.S. won a medal. Well, unfortunately, the U.S. won a lot more medals than they thought because (laughs) some of the Soviet countries were boycotting the Olympics that year. Mm. And so uh, they took a huge financial loss. (laughs) Uh, That was also the year that Dell Computers started becoming a thing. Michael Dell started creating his computers and selling them. And this one has nothing to do with the U.S. I just found it to be an interesting fact. The Prime Minister of New Zealand went on national television drunk and announced that there would be a snap election held in one month, and 93% of the people showed up and he lost. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's been referred to as the schnapps election. Oh, that's funny. It's just a funny thing I from that year that I thought happened. What do you think that, would happen if we had 93% voter turnout in oh America? That's, I'd, that'd be, who I knows? don't know. I mean, I think it should happen anyway, because then oh, I think we'd then have a better idea of where we really stand as a country I, ideologically. There's a semi-push about election day becoming a national holiday, and I 100% agree with it. I think it, uh, I mean, granted, it's not hard to vote even when it's not a national holiday, but right this it should be you know lauded as a pretty important day for us to go out and do uh, elections you know I, I think it should yeah there's also well there's some there's some countries like I believe Australia it's mandatory to vote and honestly I, I, I'm against that I don't know I see pros I and cons against that. yeah so. I have enough I have enough uh you know don't fucking tell me what to do in me that <laughs> that's like I sometimes honestly I don't think either of the major candidates or even any of the independents have earned my vote so I think abstaining can be a viable solution but it's not really the solution that's gonna move you towards whatever you like so and that is uh politics with adam and john wow jesus <laughs> yeah okay let's uh let's take it back to the 80s where we didn't have a reality tv star uh, running the country we had a movie star running the country with reagan so an old western actor yeah that made so much more sense uh all right, all right. <laughs> but you know what does make sense john what's that hiring a good lawyer this episode of the blast from our past podcast is brought to you by the sellers law firm jody sellers is a friend of the podcast he is someone that i know i trust i think you should trust him for all of your legal needs in the state of georgia he's a fantastic guy fantastic law firm you can check them out on instagram twitter facebook whatever it is i'm sure he's got myspace myspace (laughs) exactly take it back to myspace friendster (laughs) Uh, at the sellers law firm linkedin <laughs> the seller's law firm is a place where clients become family and i know that he wants you in his family and he would do right for you give them a call at 770-415-9848 or find them at thesellerslawfirm.com for all your georgia legal needs all right that business is done so let's get into supergirl that sounded naughtier than it should have uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck Supergirl 1984 is when this film came out. It was directed by Jeannot Szwark. I butchered that, I know. Uh, who directed Jaws 2 is his other like feature that is probably best known for. But he's actually quite accomplished TV director. Mm. Uh, he's directed many, many episodes of shows like Ally McBeal, The Practice, Grey's Anatomy, Heroes, Smallville, many other shows, actually. He's done quite a bit. Uh, and I honestly had no idea Grey's Anatomy was still going on <laughs> until I saw that on IMDb that he has like, directed episodes from like, 
2018 or maybe 2019 even just like holy crap that show is still here yep it's still going wow (laughs) wow uh all right this film was written by david odell who David O'Dell has written a couple other movies that we've already talked about, including Masters of the Universe and The Dark Crystal, uh, which is kind of cool. I kind of like that tie-in from David O'Dell, who wrote Supergirl, but also wrote Masters of the Universe. There's that tie-in with She-Ra and He-Man. I don't know. I like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also wrote for The Muppet Show. He has got to be our most used writer, I'm thinking, by by now. This (laughs) is our third film. Yeah. So... Uh, and then this film, the cinematography was done by Alan Hume, who he was also the cinematographer for Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. A Fish Called Wanda, which isn't, I mean, not one that's a specifically well shot movie you think of, but it's just an overall good movie. Yeah, it's a fun movie. More of a better written movie than anything else. Certainly not written by David O'Dell. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> uh, and then he also shot uh, multiple Bond films, including Octopussy, For Your Eyes Only, A View to a Kill. So like those, I think those Roger Moore kind of ones. Music in Supergirl was done by Jerry Goldsmith, who we talked before on our episode where we did The Explorers, because he did the music for that, and Star Trek The Next Generation. He did music for both of those. Yep. But I can't remember if we've mentioned these other ones, but he has got some awesome credits. Oh, yeah. He's very prolific. He was very prolific. Uh, yep, exactly. He, I think he passed away in 2004, maybe. Yep. Maybe it was 20, something like that. Oh, four. He did music for Alien, Poltergeist, Rambo First Blood, Gremlins, Hoosiers, Inner Space, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Forever Young, which is that Mill Gibson movie that I feel like everybody passes over, but I, st- I really like that movie, and that's, I, I, we got to make sure that gets on the list. You know what? Point. I actually, I actually double check. I'm pretty sure I put it on the list. If not, okay, I was thinking perfect. about it. Good, yeah, well, we'll make sure it's there. Uh, he also did music for Mulan, The Mummy, and then his credits go all the way back to shows like Gunsmoke and the original Twilight Zone. Wow. And then he also did the movie, The Twilight Zone, in the 80s. So, okay. yeah, Jerry Goldsmith is uh, one hell of a composer. Yeah. Supergirl stars Helen Slater as our title character, a.k.a. Kara Zorel, aka Linda Lee, aka Supergirl, aka Supergirl, and this was her first feature, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But she was also in some movies like Secret of My Success, City Slickers, The Legend of Billie Jean, uh, and she did the voice of Talia Al Ghul in Batman the animated series. Okay. And she just has a bunch of like little bit parts, but yeah. uh, I think something that's particularly cool is they've cast her and they use her in the new Supergirl show that's running on CW right now. She's a reoccurring character. I will say the CW, they've done a really good job of, I don't know, paying homage to the people who originally done, you know, the series. Like they brought the old flashback from the 90s series to play the father of <laughs> the new Flash. That's awesome. For the Supergirl series, they brought in some of the actors from Smallville and Lois and Clark and, you know, Supergirl. Like, they're bringing in people just sort of, I think, honestly, out of respect for the people who played the original parts. It gives them nerd credit, man. It's so worth doing that. And because people pick up on it and they like you better. They respect you for, for exactly paying homage or whatever to those things that came before you. When we started this film, I don't know, probably a few days ago or whatever, we I watched it with, with all four of us, me, my wife, mm-hmm. and my two kids. I made them all sit down and watch it. And just through the opening credits, my wife goes, I cannot believe how many famous people are in this movie. Yeah, exactly. There's some... Especially famous for the time. I, I thought you were going to say, I can't believe how long these credits go. They took forever on those opening credits. <laughs> to be honest, the whole movie took forever. It was over two hours. It was two and a half hours. Two hours, Holy 30 minutes is the official runtime. Crap. 
Like that is not necessary for this film. No. Like it, it needs it needs a tight ninety minute cut. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that. But yeah, it was. Uh, I was not happy, and I can tell you, my notes come like the the last quarter of this film. I'm barely hanging on <laughs> i'm just kind of like here's something like I, I probably skip like three or four scenes each time before i write a note because i'm just like eh, this doesn't matter i don't care this is dragging on so yeah we'll talk about that uh this film also stars faye dunaway as selena our main villain faye dunaway you probably know as bonnie from bonnie and clyde she was also in chinatown and then the classic amazing film dunstan checks in <laughs> <laughs> she was she was in that. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Peter O'Toole stars as Zaltar. Fucking Lawrence of Arabia was in this yes. film. Yes, Lawrence of Arabia. So, you know, yeah, you get a very classically trained actor. You know, yeah, he was in The Last Emperor. He was in Troy. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of funny to see him in this. Uh, and then uh, Mia Farrow plays Allura, who Mia Farrow was in Rosemary's Baby, Purple Rose of Cairo. Yeah, there, there's a solid-ass cast, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Wasted, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Spoiler alert! Wow! <laughs> uh, Supergirl is a spin-off character from the Superman franchise. Mm-hmm. Specifically, this film is a spinoff of the Christopher Reeve Superman films. They tie in that. You even see like a picture of Christopher Reeve, you know, as Superman at one point. So originally he was slated to make an appearance. There was only, yeah, there's only one character who actually <laughs> made right. an appearance. Well, he was supposed to make an appearance and then his schedule, the scheduling didn't work out. So, oh, okay. So in order to, to get him in there, they just made a poster of him and put him on the wall. Yeah, that would have helped though if he made it, if he was actually there. It would have, it would have yeah. given some, some credit. They kind of needed it with all of the other <laughs> issues in this film. Uh, a little cool bit of, of trivia. So, Supergirl was the very first English language superhero film to feature a woman in the lead role. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And I honestly, I will say just straight up, Helen Slater does a pretty good job. Yeah. For her first film, I, mean, I had no problem with her acting. Some of the other acting, different story. <laughs> but hers, yeah, I, her, she was solid. Yeah. Let's get into the film. We start off with uh, some very shiny, silvery name cards that go on for three minutes. Uh, and it's, it's way too long. I mean, they, I, I checked it. It's three minutes long going through all of that. And I was already bored by the end once, once that's done, we see this kind of crystally looking thing. But it, apparently it's a, it's a city. It's this place called Argo City. And I, I first I was like, what the hell's going on? Is this Krypton? Like, uh-huh. did they fuck with the entire storyline? Which I don't think so. Apparently not. No. Because we find out about Zaltar, who is kind of like the leader. He created the city. He apparently made it in inner space mm-hmm. as opposed to in somewhere in outer space. So I didn't know that the city was inside Martin Short's body. <laughs> With Dennis Quaid, which Dennis it, but it makes sense, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's what. Uh, yeah. See, now Fuck. I want someone to go in and insert a scene where you just see the little <laughs> capsule like floating by the. Well, city. you totally could. Th- those those shots specifically like fit perfectly with some of the blood shots you see from uh, right. Dennis Quaid, and you could just insert that, and then <laughs> and then uh, you know Supergirl flying out of him like that. I I totally can make that happen. It, it, it makes sense. Also, we say this again. We've got to. I'm gonna lock down a date for inner space just because yeah. this is probably like the fifth time we've, we've mentioned, mentioned it, it. <laughs> and still haven't done it. Yep. So uh, apparently, Zoltar knows everything about Earth. They all know everything about Earth because Kara even mentions, "Oh, you're building like this 
sculpting a fake tree. What's a tree? And and Zoltar says it's from Earth. And she's like, oh, where my cousin went. So it's just like, I don't know. I just, I don't really know what the whole backstory is on Supergirl. I don't really know the character's real history. But it feels weird that, you know. If only there was a podcast that delved into the background (laughs) of comic book characters' histories. Uh, Yes. uh, I don't know if... uh, Dynamic Duel has done an episode on Supergirl. I don't remember off the top of my head. I think they have. Okay, if they have, I will have to go back and check it out. And all of you listeners, go check out the Dynamic Duel podcast. Uh, we've John and I have both been on there before. They're a friend of the podcast. We love them. We've had them on a few times. Yeah, uh, they do a great job of diving into the histories when they do their dual episodes, so I will have to go back and find that. Okay, Zoltar's just kind of giving us some exposition here. He tells us about this teleportation-y thing that, you know, he wants to possibly go to Earth, but it's not really a teleport. It's a little vehicle. It's a ball vehicle. Right. I thought it was teleportation. That's what it kind of <laughs> made it seem, but uh, she doesn't teleport. She rides a fucking ball. Right. <laughs> Coming up. It's poorly done. It's poorly written. <laughs> we find out that Zoltar stole something called the Omegahedron. Apparently, it's a power source for the entire city. And it seems very callous of him, very idiotic of him <laughs> to just steal this little power source ball for his little plaything. Like, right. what, Also, if he took that ball, like, where is their power source? Do they, they have no backup power. They have no anything. Like, <laughs> these. Uh, this is very poor city design, which Zoltar did, apparently. He created the city, so he just, he is an idiot. Well, and he also... He's, uh, he's clearly an artist, yeah. and artists don't necessarily make the best engineers. <laughs> Fucking hippies, man. <laughs> he, is, he is definitely a uh, hippie. He's the hippie of Krypton, for sure. As someone who considers himself... Somewhat of an artist as far as like creativity and stuff like that. Uh, I would make a horrible city planner. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Mostly because I can never get my cities to uh, survive on SimCity. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yes. Uh, there's too much to do, man. You couldn't <laughs> when you were checking out something on one end of your corner of your map. The other people were dying or, or going crazy. So yeah, I liked Dino Park Tycoon. That was my favorite like simulator. It was, it was a very fun. easy simple one you know and when you could afford like the t-rex area it's like oh yeah that's badass that's when you've made it yes that's when you've made it but uh, back to the omega hedron apparently it's this thing that can like give life to stuff it's just pretty it's pretty much like an omnipotent ball and whoever has it has a bunch of whatever powers he has this weird magical wand where that he was like sculpting shit with and Kara uses it to like make a dragonfly and she uses the hedron collider to give it life or whatever but like if that little wand didn't look like a ribbed for her pleasure thin dildo i don't know what did john cuz that was a that was a very sex toy looking it thing it was a very unfortunate looking item yes, it, yes. it was it it was unnecessary the the prop design <laughs> <laughs> Could have been better. That's for sure. I mean, I don't know if they were trying to make it look like a unicorn horn or something yeah, like yeah. that. It just something know. that bothered me was the prop design of the actual Omega Hedron, the ball, uh-huh. and it was so obvious that it was just on this little spinner that they would hide behind their hands. Like yeah. it, it just looked, <laughs> it just looked bad to me the entire time. Uh, everything looked bad to me. Anyway, this dragonfly that Kara creates flies out of this window of Argo City. Uh, apparently, their windows are only made from, like, plastic wrap. 
or something. Not even not even plastic wrap. Like it was something like strong. Wax it was paper weaker. or something. Like yes, that. exactly. Wax paper. And it busts through it very easily. You know, the vacuum of space is just sucking air out and sucking shit out. And the Omega Hedron flies out with it. And it was insanity. Because the Omega Hedron's lost, this whole city feels that they're, oh my God, they're in danger. So now Zoltar is like, oh shit. I'm going to get thrown into prison, uh, into the Phantom Zone for fucking this up, as he probably should. And Kara, at first, I have no idea her motivation, but I guess she just wants to find the Omega Hedron. And so she hops onto like the teleporter ball transporter thing Uh and flies out after it. We don't really, there was no discussion of her, not even (laughs) discussion, but she doesn't even like say a monologue of like, oh my God, I've got to go get it. She just kind of like mischievously, (laughs) it it looks like she's just being, you know, like a, a mischievous teen at this point. It doesn't seem like she's trying to save the day or anything. Yeah. She she seems like a grade A fucking idiot at this time. <laughs> Dis- disappointing. <laughs> so, so now we see her traveling from inner space to outer space. We get some cheesy graphics, you know. It's you know, kind of like that poor looking kind of green screen-esque kind of right. thing um and it just doesn't really doesn't really look great but she travels in that ball like i swear for like another five minutes <laughs> <laughs> that scene takes forever yeah kind of intercut with that we meet this character selena who's out having a picnic and selena is one of the most poorly written characters i think i've seen <laughs> since starting this podcast she is not someone where the writer thought you know what i'm gonna let the audience figure out that she's the villain, you know, or anything like that. She's just going to immediately say, oh, I want to rule the world. Such a pretty world. I can't wait until it's all mine. And I'm this weird witch thing. And, you know, she uses black magic, apparently. And she just Mm -hmm. she just seems pathetic. She's a pathetic villain. (laughs) There's no gravitas with her, really. Right. Even when she does get some power. Mm-hmm. I, I never really thought of her as a as a real threat. It's we- It was just, it's a weird thing because, I mean, she does kind of eventually become powerful, but mm-hmm. she just seems like she's an annoyance most of the time. Yeah. But apparently the Omega Hedron falls into her picnic area and drops into some of her food. Uh, and she's there with this uh, other character, Nigel, who's just kind of a, I don't know, kind of a weird guy who's got his own black magic powers and he's a math teacher. I think he was originally, my, the impression that I got was that he was like her mentor originally. Mm, mm-hmm. But she's so cocky. The better she got in powers, the more she sort of considered him an equal when when I don't think he was an equal. I think he was still, at this point, yeah. I still think he was probably her better as far as witchcraft goes. Also, that guy was played by uh, Peter Cook, uh, who we would recognize as the impressive clergyman from The Princess Bride. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Marriage. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. That's great. Anyway, she picks up the Omega Hedron, and right away, she just apparently knows that it has its magical powers, and she has this weird monologue that really makes no sense. <laughs> Immortality be upon this one. She is a sharer of the sun's everlasting life. There will now be no danger of death. This world will keep her forever. Like, she picks it up and just like, oh, when I see a random ball that falls into my food, I don't think, oh, this is black magic that's going to help me rule the world. And she just has, yeah, she just goes on like a weird tirade here. Right. Kara's ball apparently landed in the lake. We didn't even see that or it came out of the lake and she flies out of it in costume. (laughs) 
what the fuck? Last time we saw her, she was still wearing her Argo City gear. Right. She didn't change. We didn't see her change at all. And she just flies out of the water in costume. What the fuck? Where did this costume come from? <laughs> and we see later that she has the power of instant costume change. Yes. And hair change. And hair change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't remember Superman having that ability. No. I mean, he's you know he has to change in a phone booth like that's his whole thing i guess she, yeah and she just does it by quickly behind a tree or something but is this sort of like a dark crystal where the females from uh, krypton have more powers that they don't that we don't know about yeah maybe i mean you would think but i do like that she changes her hair color that makes more sense than just putting on glasses yes than just putting on glasses granted I've met many people who have dyed their hair, and I still know who they are. Right. It's not hard. And when we get to her semi-boyfriend or whatever later, right. who can't tell the difference, <laughs> God damn it, people are dumb. I just, <laughs> this movie gives its audience no credit. Absolutely zero fucking credit for yeah. intelligence. It's expecting that all of us are imbeciles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we're at a scene <laughs> that we see Kara is kind of like picking up her power. She does this weird kind of like floaty dance flight kind of thing. It's <laughs> it's kind of cutish, but it's also kind of annoying. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's like her discovering her powers, right? Yeah, it's like, she's discovering her. She's figuring out that, you know, we see similar powers to what Superman has. Right. Honestly, if I was a Kryptonian and I found out that Superman had these kind of powers at a place, I would immediately leave wherever the fuck I am, (laughs) and I would go there. Like, why wouldn't everyone else go there? I don't know. Since there are other Kryptonians. They could rule. They would rule the Earth. Well, yeah, that's part of the evil. That's what Zod tried to do, John. Right. And then Superman had to snap his neck. (laughs) Actually, not in in this film. He just sent him to the Phantom Zone. Right. Put him in a weird magical mirror thing, and (laughs) he threw his Superman logo out. (laughs) 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 What kind of... That's weird powers, too, they created for... Weird Superman plastic wrapper. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Wrapped around him. Maybe maybe that's the... Because that was like easily broken, I think, in the movie, too. Probably the same kind of fucking Kryptonian plastic wrap they used outside of Argo City. That the dragonfly could just fly through. (laughs) Those people suck at their plastic wrap. Textiles is not their thing. No. (laughs) Very true. Uh, But as as she's finding out her powers, I will say, uh, you know, the graphics of her flying aren't that great, but they are fine for their time. Yeah. I'd say for, you know, 1984, they did about as good of a job as they could. Right. And I will say the music behind her when she's kind of like finding out her powers and she's kind of like doing flying around a little bit, I think it's pretty solid music. So I I do want to give uh, Jerry Goldsmith some some thumbs up. I will also say, though, she seems incredibly well-adjusted to leaving her entire friends and family and entire city behind and going to a brand new place. And she just, she seems uh, very content (laughs) and not surprised or uh, anything. She's just like, okay, hey, now here are these powers. Well, she, uh, at some point in the movie, my wife just kind of blurted out, is she on the spectrum? I mean, maybe, maybe Helen Slater played her like that. I don't think that that was the intent. I think they were just trying to play her as innocent. Yeah, and naive. And naive, but it came, it just sort of weirdly came out, because she, she's naive, but then she just sort of jumps to things. Yeah. Like, she just jumped into the sphere to, to run off, and... <laughs> Honestly, I think your wife nailed it on the head. <laughs> I mean... 
Yeah, I mean, nowadays with what we know about autism, you know, there is, uh, you know, there are degrees of it and whatnot. And it seems like Kara, she might be. I I agree, she might be on the spectrum a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Besides that, uh, I will say Helen Slater looked the part. Uh, yeah, they nailed the Supergirl look, and like the costume looked solid. Uh, you know, like the just the the blonde kind of classic look from the comic book. They really just pulled it right out. And they put it on screen. I, she looked adorable. She looked not even just adorable. She looked she looked like the comic character. So I think they did a really good job with that. Yeah. Apparently, up at uh, at this point in the comic, Supergirl was not wearing a skirt. I think she had like oh. short shorts or something like that. And so they didn't the they didn't want that for the movie. So they got DC to change it so that it could it could coincide with the movie. Oh, so okay. DC changed it to a to a short skirt. It was it's definitely a short skirt. It doesn't seem yes. like a like proper fighting attire. I mean, like most female <laughs> right. characters, you know, they're all drawn by men, and so they're all you know. And most comic book readers are men, or at least at the time. She is Supergirl, so if she's like Superman, she's bulletproof. Yeah, she's strong. She doesn't need it. Yeah. She doesn't need it. She can be fashionable and kick ass. True, very true. <laughs> Helen Slater looked really cute. Like she was past my time for like being an 80s crush just because I was too young for this. Right. Obviously. And I didn't really watch it in syndication or anything like, or watch it later and to, to have that. But I could totally see why tons of people crushed on her right. when they were younger. And I think, did you, I mean, did you have a crush on her at all? I mean, you were, I mean, you were still pretty young. I but. was still pretty young. I don't remember being that way. I mean, I'm sure I thought she was probably cute or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. She's cute. I mean, watching her now, it's like, oh yeah, she's very, very cute. I yeah. mean, I can, I could see how people would crush on her for sure. So, uh, so Kara lands on the street and we get two truckers that are pretty much going to assault her. Uh, <laughs> and that's a dumb call, but I assume that you, you recognized one of them like I did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt Frewer was one of those truckers in one of his early roles. And we've talked about Matt Frewer in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He played Big Russ in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And then also very famously in the eighties, he played Max Headroom. So I, I loved seeing him in this film. That kind of made me happy. Yeah. Him and his buddy, as they try to sexually assault her, they obviously are going to get their asses kicked, but they even talk about Superman, and they so they know who Superman is. And then even when she starts showing similar powers to him, <laughs> like the strong breath and heat ray vision, like they still like go after her. It's like, are you fucking idiots? You guys know who <laughs> Superman is, and you can tell that this this person who told you she is her cousin and showing the powers get run the fuck away. Yeah. Like I didn't get that, but. <laughs> Uh, But anyway, they get beaten up. And now we cut to this weird-ass party that Selena is throwing. And she's just, again, she's talking about world domination. Uh, She doesn't even really know the power of the Omega Hedron, but, like, she seems to... You know, already feel that she's so super powerful with it that she's already talking about she's not afraid of, you know, Superman or, or anything like that. Right. She does show some power already that she's starting to figure out what's going on by she turns a, a piece of pineapple into a scorpion and then she <laughs> spins a this other party guest like around on her head and whatnot. I wouldn't say that those powers are enough to beat up Superman, but I guess if she thinks so. Right. The next morning, Kara sees some girls playing softball at uh, kind of at this private school. Uh, here we see Kara having the ability to change clothes at will and change hair color at will. And she goes up and she ends up meeting the principal of the place. Uh, and she's calls herself Linda Lee from seeing a picture of 
Robert E. Lee, <laughs> and I can't remember where she got the Linda from. I don't either. They don't show that. But she got the Robert E. Lee part. That's that's a good role model to get your <laughs> to get your name from. Ugh. We see that Nigel guy is a teacher there at that school and so the principal has to go deal with him for a quick second and i do think it was kind of cute uh the principal asking her like where's your letter of recommendation and so she you know uses her speed and quickly types up a letter of recommendation from her quote-unquote cousin clark kent apparently everyone back in uh, argo city knew about superman and his alter ego and yeah everything everything exactly like they they it was not a secret outside of earth no yeah we did i don't remember seeing any tvs any radios anything there <laughs> that would establish they would have contact with the outside world maybe he went to go visit them maybe probably what happened is martin short watched a tv show <laughs> about superman and then they could tell it from being connected to his eyeballs just like dennis quaid <laughs> that makes sense I don't want to, God, I don't want to spoil that whole movie, though. (laughs) I want to save that. Uh, But yes, so it is weird that they all knew about it. But anyway, the the principal kind of lets her in. She walks into a dormitory, which I thought it was weird that the principal just walks into the dormitory with girls in their bras, uh, and he's just not even paying attention. I know. But he takes Linda, Linda Lee, a.k.a. Kara, a.k.a. Supergirl, to go meet her roommate, who just so happens to be Lucy Lane, the cousin of Lois Lane. Was it cousin or sister? I think it was cousin. Pretty sure she said cousin. John was right. I was wrong. It's sister, not cousin. But it is just annoying enough to be too much of a coincidence that I just, I was like, come on, fucking really? (laughs) That bothered me. We see a picture of Superman in Lucy Lane's dorm room, and they become fast friends, pretty much. Selina shows up randomly, and we see now that there's this connection between the Omega Hedron and the bracelet that Linda has on her wrist. So she's got like this weird thing that basically just kind of acts like a tracker for whenever the Omega Hedron's being used. Uh, also, she says some line about like, oh, that she she feels smarter, uh, that, you know, she gets some math right in a math class. Apparently, the, the yellow sun also enhances her brain. So maybe she <laughs> maybe she smartens up a little bit. <laughs> Actually, I would say this. So Superman grew up on Earth. So Superman got an Earth education. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> got a Argo City slash Kryptonian education. Maybe they just knew a little bit more. Yeah, that could that could be it. For sure. <laughs> Poor Superman. <laughs> you could have you could have been smart. Yep. You could have been something. Yeah, next we get this scene where we kind of have to deal with this school bully. And she never really comes back after no. this. But she, she's playing field hockey. And, yeah, one of the girls, is she's being a real bee, honestly. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. And she shoots this ball at Lucy Lane. For some reason, she's picking on Lucy. Linda protects her. I'm not going to call her Linda. I'm just going to call her Supergirl. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Supergirl. Because the three names bothers me. <laughs> just... Again, uh, and so Supergirl goes to protect her and like blocks her with her shoulder. The field hockey ball explodes, pretty much explodes into dust. You know, once it hits Linda, which that's not how physics work. <laughs> uh, honestly, for that to happen, not just is it has to hit a hard surface, the ball has to be hit at like an incredible pace right. if that's going to happen. And I don't think the bully person hit it that hard. Only if like Supergirl hit it that hard and then ran up and then blocked it with herself, then that would have happened. But that the, the lack of physics bothered me <laughs> in that scene because there's no way it would have just hit off of Supergirl and then kind of like, you know, maybe it would have damaged the ball a little bit. Right. Maybe. 
but it certainly wouldn't have exploded it. Right. <laughs> uh, and then again, like the scene right afterwards, we or it seemed pretty much the scene afterwards, we see the bully again in the shower. So all the girls are showering after the game, and Supergirl sees and hears that you know she's trying to fuck with the hot water. Like pretty much to scald Lucy and being real, real B again. <laughs> Supergirl shoots her heat vision through the wall yeah. <laughs> to heat the thing that the girl is trying to turn to turn up the water. Right. That, what What happened with that? I, she like did no one else see like the heat vision goes. It can go through. Well, we didn't see it go through the wall. We just see it all of a sudden on the other side, and there was no like damage to the wall. Right. What What the fuck was that, John? <laughs> Again, physics don't work like that. I mean, I understand. I'll allow, like, the flying, you know, teen girl. I'll allow heat ray vision. But heat ray vision can't just go through walls. Without damaging it. Yeah. It can't just appear on the other side of the wall. Yes. Yeah, it can go through the wall, but it's going to destroy it or something. Yes. But anyway, the the bully gets a hot hand and she runs out screaming pretty much. And uh, that's the end of the bully. <laughs> we're, we're, we, I don't remember seeing her in the rest we of the movie. We probably could have cut that entire sequence. Absolutely could have cut that entire sequence. Especially for a movie that's over two hours like this. <laughs> it does not need it one bit. It, there was not any character building in that part that I thought that was necessary. Mm-hmm. Now it's nighttime, pretty much. Uh, Supergirl f- heads out. She's flying around. She's using her bracelet to try to find where the Omega Hedron is. Um, and we see Selena uh, is making a love potion. She saw this contractor guy uh, at one point and is now infatuated. She's basically so attracted to this dude that she wants him to fall in love with her and that contractor made me so happy to see him the second he talked i immediately knew where i had seen him from that actor was the same guy who played ellis in die hard who ellis is the guy the cocaine do an asshole who thought he could outsmart hans gruber and ended up you know let's put it in my terms you're here in a hostile takeover you grab us for some green mail but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building am i right hans Bobby, I'm your white knight. <laughs> that guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's really the only two things I think I've ever seen him in, but it made me really happy because the second he started talking, I'm like, oh, shit, it's Alice. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see, yeah, just Hans Gruber <laughs> come out next. But anyway. So we're going to tie, so you're telling me we're going to tie in Supergirl with Inner Space and Die yeah. Hard. <laughs> and Die Hard. Yeah. No. That would be a hell of a cinematic universe. <laughs> That'd be very cool. And Selena roofies this guy, basically, you know, her love potion makes him pass out. She roofies him. He will fall in love with whoever the first person that he sees. We also kind of get Selena's hideout, I guess, whatever it is. It's in like a carnival or some shit like that. Yeah. It's not really a good evil base. Like, it doesn't even make me feel very witchcrafty. It makes me feel carnival yeah. Like, you know, like she's a sideshow freak. I don't <laughs> remember if they explain why she's there. Yeah, I don't I don't know if they did either. I think it's just she just happens to be in this abandoned carnival. Uh, he kind of wakes up, like, I can't remember why Selena, had, like, she hops off for a second. And Ethan, I think is his name, is this contractor guy. He kind of, kind of stumbles awake and he goes through her weird little funhouse and her madhouse so he's like trying to escape because he doesn't know what's going on Mm -hmm. and i do have to say selena has this weird other witch roommate (laughs) and the i can't remember the actress's name but that character was so fucking unnecessary (laughs) yeah i hated their dynamic i didn't think they were funny they were trying to be kind of i don't know like a maybe a laverne and shirley kind of thing right where they were just like you know making quips to each other and and it just, it did not 
work for this film. It, it doesn't really work for any film, particularly if you're trying to be, you know, an evil character that she was tr- that she was saying that she was. She was not believable as evil at all. Right. Partly because of this dynamic. And, and I know there's a lot of good evil characters out there, especially like, you know, in kids movies that have like a henchman who is super funny. Mm-hmm. You know, that happens all the time. This one just did not work. There, there, it really detracted of her, her entire persona that she was trying to go through. Right. Oh, uh, which I also do want to mention that Faye Dunaway, Selena, was nominated for a Razzie Award for her <laughs> acting in this film. And I think that is 100% accurate. I think Faye Dunaway did a terrible job as Selena. Like, the character was all over the place and just poorly acted. Way over the top. Yeah. Uh, and v- th- speaking of over the top, Zoltar, played by Peter O'Toole, was also <laughs> nominated for a Razzie Award for this year. So the two two of, like, the biggest name actors and, like, solid actors in this film right. uh, were nominated. And I think it were nominated for Razzies, and I think that's well-deserved. Peter O'Toole in particular, Zoltar... <laughs> He was he was weird. It was nuts. <laughs> yeah. We now find out that apparently Lucy Lane is dating Jimmy Olsen. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Um, and he is the only character that reappears mm-hmm. uh, in the film. So he's here reprising his role. Uh, they end up running into Linda, who is kind of out looking for the Omega Hedron. And they see her on the street. Uh, and then they also see the contractor apparently got out of the carnival area. And he's just walking down the middle of the street. Honestly, at this point, I'm having a hard time that he hasn't seen anyone. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> Like, he passes so many people, and if you're going to have me believe that he hasn't looked at anyone, I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't believe it, honestly. Selena, now, you know, she wants to get her little contractor back. Like, this is, this is a very interesting thing, you know, how how this Ethan character is portrayed. You know, he, he is portrayed pretty much just for his looks. I yeah. mean, I, I kind of do find that interesting and humorous, how it's kind of flipped the script a little bit, because, you know, we always, not we, but... You know, Hollywood in general, right? Uh, us men, if you will, do have done that, you know, where it's just, you know, the women are there just for the looks. And Ellis is, or sorry, his name's not Ellis in this movie. <laughs> I just think of him as Ellis and Die Hard. Uh, I, I believe it's Ethan. He is really lauded just for his looks. Yep. And I and I thought that was a pretty interesting flip. Yep. Um, but she wants him back. She uh, decides to set this backhoe, to, like a, <laughs> to go out and get him. And it's, you know, coming after him with its big grabber and it ends up scooping him up the kids all see it like you know lucy linda and jimmy olsen whatever they all see it and lucy's the one who tries to go save the day like linda you know she didn't she didn't see it at first but lucy she's pretty heroic and she tries to go hop onto the backhoe to try and steer it away from stuff she honestly she ends up steering it into things a little bit (laughs) it just causes more destruction and she kind of ends up getting uh knocked out by the backhoe which is kind of sentient at this point and we see linda she changes into Supergirl. She ends up punching a hole in the town's water supply to save some burning tires. Did you see that? So at one point, like these tires are on fire. Right. These things are on fire. And to, as opposed to just letting tires, they're just tires. Right. Just she punches a hole in the fucking water supply of the town. Right. Like, why would you do that? That is a pretty idiotic move. It's funny when we got to that scene uh, and there was that big old, the big tire fire. My son goes, oh, just like the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, the constant tire fire. That's good. 
<laughs> yeah, but you have to save the tires, John. So she did that, and she pulls the grabber portion away of the backhoe and flies away with Ethan, but she leaves yeah. Lucy in the backhoe, yep. and it's still moving. It's moving actually towards like an apartment complex. Right. That was not heroic. Like, holy shit. Like, that guy was pretty safe in the grabber. <laughs> right. Lucy was not safe. Just set it down and go stop the thing. Get your friend who was just trying to help. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was not cool. <laughs> Uh, and uh, of course, the uh, Ethan guy, he gets saved and he sees her. He sees her as Linda Lee. Uh-huh. She had apparently changed back to avoid Supergirl. Um, so he's fallen in love with her immediately. I love you with all my heart forever. A bird, a free and careless wing was I through many a smiling spring. The cold repulse, the look askance, the lightning of love's angry glance. Stay. Let me behold you. <laughs> To no one's surprise, Selena is pissed. She sets the ball to kill Supergirl. She wants to send a shadow, as she called it, you know, whatever. Power of shadow. Right. Basically, go kill Supergirl. Which, apparently, this shadow monster, whatever it is, makes its way to the school, uh, you know, at night. And there's this whole battle scene that happens at outside the school where it's an inc- completely invisible monster. Honestly, that detracted from the fight scene because <laughs> it was just Supergirl fighting nothing. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of wind and other shit going on, but it wasn't particularly fun to watch uh, because it's just an invisible shadow, if you will. And then she kind of like electrifies it at one point and you kind of see what it is, but it wasn't, wasn't super well done, in my <laughs> opinion. Supergirl comes back to goes back into school, uh, and apparently no one noticed the big battle that was going on outside because nobody says anything. Right. And we get this drunk, like chaperone lady uh, who is just too drunk to know anything. Look at those clothes. Well, I'll go change. I- I'm sorry. I- and you'll put on your proper school uniform and get out of that ridiculous costume. Yes, ma'am. It's a semi-funny scene, but at the same time, I'm like, wait a minute. Are you telling me no one heard what was happening right outside the window? Right. (laughs) You know, the the Supergirl electrified this big monster thing that was screaming, and (laughs) she beat it. And, like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) Just... Again, we're, we're given no credit, man. <laughs> no credit. With uh, the Omega Hedron being used, Supergirl, you know, looks at her bracelet and she goes to, like, the power source. She heads to Selena's hideout. Ethan, the contractor, ends up is following her. Um, I mean, he's, he's following her as Linda Lee because that's who he's in love with. He's just continuing to be over the top and in love with her. Um, and it's kind of weird. She kind of, like, smiles back and she's kind of, like, reciprocating it. And I think it's, it's weird. And yeah. I'll talk about this a little bit later. But, yeah, Linda and... And, and Ethan are like in this weird tilt-a-whirl thing and Selena finds them and like, you know, spins them around in this tilt-a-whirl whole ride and whatnot. Uh, and we see Ethan is still there, but uh, Linda's turned into Supergirl at this right. time now. Selena still hasn't put it together. Yes, <laughs> Selena's done, but yeah, she's dumb too. She sets these, Selena sets these bumper cars out to go get Ethan. Right. You know, and he's in like, these are like weird NFL branded bumper cars for some reason. Right. But that was some of the least imposing and scary things that I never felt he was in danger. They were bumper cars coming at him. Right. They're slow. He could easily move out of the way or hop on one or whatever. And I was just like, that's that's your evil plan? Bumper cars? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fucking weird. To get away, Supergirl ends up kind of caging uh, Selena in these iron bar things. And she grabs one of the bumper cars with Ethan in it. And she ends up flying away. And it's all kind of romantic. And honestly, 
it's weird that they're trying to like make me root for this relationship, but I can't. It's really fucking because he's drugged. Right. Like he is straight up drugged into loving her and she doesn't know him at all. Right. She only, you know, she only finds him attractive and she likes at how much he is in love with her, but it's a lie. Right. And so I'm like, this whole dynamic here does not work, but they're trying to make you want it to work, but it, it does not. And in fact, I find it creepy and <laughs> not, not good. Um, I did find it very funny that they were carrying, uh, so the, as I mentioned before, it was an NFL-based bumper car and had like two uh, teams on each side. Right. And the two teams on this bumper car on one side was the Rams. On the other side was the Patriots. <laughs> so it was the Super Bowl <laughs> for this year. It just happened to watch that. I thought that was cool. Even though that was one of the most boring fucking Super Bowls I've ever, anybody's ever seen. Yep. And the halftime show sucked. Everything sucked about that. Also that the Patriots won again sucked. So anyway, Selena uses her grand power to send a coconut to go knock out Ethan. <laughs> 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 she knocks him out with a fucking coconut, but she doesn't have the power to pull Ethan to her, apparently. Ethan wakes up uh, after Nigel has come in, come in to Selena's part, and like there's this whole section of a spider was trapped in a nut, and if the spider gets out, the spell breaks uh, <laughs> or something. And so he cracks the nut and gets the spider out, and he's trying to team up with Selena. It's... Uh, <laughs> it's just bad. But what I did think was weird, like if the spell is broken, he still says he's in love with Linda at this point. Right. I, I, so I just don't understand the parameters of the spell. It just kind of confuses me. Right. But honestly, he is, he's just dumb as hell because he can't tell that, you know, when he's looking at Supergirl, it's the exact same face as Linda Lee. Uh, even though, you know, he's never seen someone dye their hair before. <laughs> then they kiss and he realizes it's her from a kiss that he forced onto her earlier in the movie, uh, which she's pretty much reciprocating, which is just awful. And I hate this relationship and it's just bad. I don't <laughs> just, I'm already, I'm already in speed up mode, John. I'm not going to lie. I still have like page and a half of notes. Oh no, they don't. <laughs> I can tell. I, I, I thought I was going to have a page and a half of notes. Uh, I can, my notes are getting shorter and shorter. Cause I'm like, as, as I'm talking about it, I'm just like, fuck, I want to hurry through this shit. And that's what apparently I did as well. So, Selena and Nigel end up trapping Ethan uh, with the help of some evil wand that Nigel had. Just some like weird kind of like Zulu looking kind right. of wand or something. Yep. And just it ends up enhancing Selena's power powers and they teleport him basically to where they are. And then Selena betrays Nigel um, and she creates this weird fortress with him. And now she's getting like a real use to her powers mm-hmm. and like she's actually doing shit. So now she's like, OK, she's transported Ethan. She now she created a mountain out of nowhere and a fortress uh, out of no, just all of a sudden, here's a mountain fortress. Okay, you're. I guess if you're evil, you you know, and want to rule the world, you gotta have a mountain fortress. Yep. She's apparently like starting to gain some power and things like that. Uh, apparently, you know, Supergirl goes flies back because she, you know, she knows that's what Selena took took Ethan, and so she like flies, and she doesn't seem surprised at all that the mountain and mountain fortress are there now. <laughs> she just goes <laughs> exactly there and uh, skipping just through stuff. Selena traps Supergirl into the. Phantom Zone, and in the Phantom Zone, she has no powers. Yep. Um, so she's now she is trapped away in a faraway place, uh, and we see Selena's just kind of like gaining more power. She's gained military control of like the area, uh, and we see. I thought this was funny. The school kids, like the Lucy and Jimmy, they all have signs protesting, right. picketing her. 
<laughs> like like she's this like a dictator or something right but like just the fact that they're protesting it i just i found that so hippie college kind of thing yep <laughs> Yeah, and that whole story, that whole story just kind of comes out of nowhere. But so we cut to the Phantom Zone, and we see this mysterious person who kind of helps Supergirl as she's kind of trudging through this mud, and she's passed out, tired. And it's Zoltar! Oh my gosh, Zoltar <laughs> did get sentenced to the Phantom Zone. He's in there. They're trying to find a way out of the Phantom Zone, and he specifically says, "There's no way out of the Phantom Zone." There is this one way. <laughs> it's just like, wait a minute. You just said like three times there's no way out of it. And then your next sentence was, there is a way. There is no way out of here. That is the point of the phantom zone. My neighbors know the criminals, the corrupt, the evil. They're here over the hill there with no way out. There's always a way out. If there's a way in, there's a way out. There is a way. This whole sequence was completely unnecessary. Uh huh. It seemed like it was only designed to bring back Zoltar. That was it. I don't think Supergirl really like learns anything in this section other than I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, you're right. It could, it should, could, and should just be cut out because she doesn't like gain anything from it. Right. To help her with her battle. Right. That I remember seeing. You know, she doesn't get like a a special tool or a new knowledge or anything like that. She just ends up seeing Zoltar. Zoltar. They head to this weird vortexy thing and. He ends up dying, kind of sacrificing himself to get her out of it. It's pretty poorish, vortexy graphics. Right. Uh, and Supergirl survives and gets out. Yeah. She is unchanged, so that whole scene is unnecessary, other than just bringing back Zoltar, which I didn't need. Right. Because he's a weird fucking character. <laughs> Supergirl fights Selena. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they fight. Supergirl wins. She gets the prisoners out because <laughs> because uh, <laughs> Lucy and Jimmy were caught prisoner and whatnot. They they end up battling and, and even in my notes I put honestly I've stopped paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I said Selena uses the power of the shadow again, but Supergirl ends up spinning Selena in like these weird vortexy spins and it ends up really fat and somehow it ends up beating Selena and the shadow beast and everything and that's basically it and everything returns back to normal and uh, Supergirl takes the Omegahedron back to Argo City and that's the end. Yeah. And we see it like as she's returning to Argo City. I skipped over a bunch of little shit right. by the end of battle, but a bunch of little shit was totally unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just final thoughts. I'll start because okay, this was your movie, and so you can say. And I don't. Hopefully, this won't influence your. But it seems like you already. I already know what your opinion is a little bit. I did not like this movie. Obvious. That was super obvious by how much <laughs> I stopped paying attention to it. Uh, the music was okay. I, you know, again, I want to shout out Jerry Goldsmith. Good job, buddy. But the writing, the writing is fucking awful. The acting is fucking awful. Helen Slater was fine. She was, she was fine. Almost all of the other actors, though, were subpar, and it, or they did subpar jobs. Right. I'm gonna beg you now, John. Begging you. We have done three David O'Dell written movies: Masters of the Universe, Dark Crystal, and Supergirl, and I have hated all three. <laughs> Please, God, no more David O'Dell movies. Please, please, please. And that's that's how I'm going to end it as a, I, I can't, I just can't with him anymore. <laughs> uh, I can't think if there's any other of his movies that I would have even put on the list. I, I will, I will say for some reason, Supergirl has kind of like, it's kind of not, I haven't say it's, it's had a resurgence, but there is like a cult following with this film. Yeah. Like there are, there's a whole group of people who really love it. And pretty much I could see with like Dark Crystal, probably same kind of thing, but Dark Crystal, I can understand the quality of Dark Crystal because the world that they put you into, like, and at least with like all, all of the puppets right. and just all of that 
interesting stuff that takes it somewhere. This film does not. So there are people who really, really appreciate this film. I am not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so hopefully that didn't. I didn't want to. I just wanted to get that out before <laughs> before anything. No, no more. David Odell is banned <laughs> from the Blast from Our Past podcast. I pretty much knew before watching this that it was not going to be good. I remember it had been a long time, and part of me was like, oh, part of me just wants to keep it in my sort of nostalgic, you know, memory, knowing <laughs> what I was getting myself into. But at the same time, that's not what we do here. <laughs> no, we don't. We we will suffer through this shit. <laughs> Just so you know to not, you don't ever have to watch it again. No, it is god awful. It's so long. There's very little redeeming things about it. I did really like the look of Supergirl. I thought oh, yeah. they did a really Absolutely. good job. I'm a little wishy washy on whether or not I thought Helen Slater's performance was pretty good. Okay. But pretty much, I'm I'm pretty sure Peter O'Toole was actually drunk <laughs> while doing his scenes. Because how could you not? Yeah. No, I forgot how, for some reason, I was not aware of how long the movie actually was. Yeah. Because we were watching this with our kids, and it was a school night, and after a while, I'm like, it's already time for you kids to go take a bath and get ready to go, and and we still had like an hour (laughs) left in the movie. Yeah. And uh, so, honestly, no, it is horrible. I understand what they were trying to do. They were trying to, you know, spin off of the Superman property and get something else going. Apparently, they had plans for, like, three or four movies. Oh, wow. And that all came to a screeching halt when this movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I like that they finally revisited Supergirl um, with the new yeah. CW show that they have. I haven't watched it, but it sounds like they're doing it justice. They are. I mean, it's the CW shows have their own sort of style. Yeah. And if you're not into that kind of style, it may not be the thing for you. But I like what they're doing with the characters. I like how it's being portrayed. Honestly, personally, I'm just sort of sick of Superman. So changing it up to Supergirl just is, is fine with me. You know what I want to see? And they'll never do it. But I want to see Superman actually die. And then he turned into like a blue and a red Superman. And there are two <laughs> different Superman. Like that was in the 90s. That was a really weird time. But I want to see them do some of those weird ass storylines. <laughs> At least it'd be something interesting and change change it up. Yeah. No, but I honestly, I'm very much with you. I got bored watching this, and I only suffered through it because I had to continue suffering through it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was impossible to keep attention on this film. Yeah. For, because of how long it was and how things didn't come back, like the writing was just like, uh, yeah, it, it just it couldn't keep any attention. Sort of researching, apparently there were like five complete rewrites of the script. Mm. One of them had Supergirl rescuing Superman. Honestly, because of Selena somehow got him ill or something like that. Honestly, that sounds better than what I got. Yeah, I don't understand the illness part, but it would have been nicer, yeah, if she could have done that. It had something to do with her magic and something like that. I mean... (laughs) We don't know. Oh, I so see- Selena. Okay. Well, if Selena, if Selena got Superman ill, that makes sense. Sorry, I thought I thought you meant Supergirl got her ill. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Superman is what's the word? Vul- is vulnerable to magic. Right. Honestly, so that would, should mean that Selena is vulnerable to magic too. But she ended up winning pretty easily. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. We're poking way too many holes in this. Yeah. We're poking too many holes in a story that we've already completely shredded. <laughs> We're running out of space to poke holes. Yes. So now, uh, ultimately, if you've never seen this film, don't bother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay. Be thankful that it's not 
anything you've ever had to suffer through. If uh, if you have seen this film and you do have any kind of sort of nostalgia for it, just let it stay there. Let it stay there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of movies that we watched as kids that we loved as kids that we go back now and we're like, well, you know, it's obviously not for us or doesn't work for us. Mm-hmm. If it worked for you when you were a kid, let it stay there. There you go. That's my thoughts on Supergirl. Now we're going to talk She-Ra, She-Ra, Princess of Power. That ran from 1985 to 1987. There were three seasons. It had 93 episodes. This show, I feel like we've talked quite a bit. We talked a little bit about it when we talked about He-Man. And even just in talking about He-Man, you kind of already talk about <laughs> There's so many parallels with it. Right. So this was a spinoff of the He-Man show from Filmation. Uh, it was also produced by Lou Scheimer, um, you know, same as He-Man. It's yeah. the whole, pretty much the exact same team, the music was done by Lou Schreimer and then also uh, Shuki Levy and Haim Saban who we've talked about before when we talked about the music for mm-hmm. He-Man. Th- those two guys did the music for Power Rangers. They were Power Rangers producers as well. Uh, so they were the producers and did music for it. They also did music for in- Inspector Gadget. They did music for Spider-Man, X-Men, like the 90s shows that we've talked about, the real Ghostbusters. Yep. And then also they did music for Dragon Ball Z, which, uh, <laughs> you know, in like the in the 90s run, which Dragon Ball Z, for me, is nostalgic. I yeah. definitely watched that show. I yes. liked it, uh, which is unfortunately for, I think it was Shuki Levy. So Haim Saban, you know, he's he's known for producing the Power Rangers and things like that. Right. Uh, but but Shuki did as well. They ended up splitting ways, I think in 2001, it said, only like less than a year before Haim Saban sold his company to Disney for $3 billion. Oh, geez. And so now Haim, Haim Saban's worth almost $3 billion. Uh, Shuki is not. <laughs> and he, but, I mean, he's doing just fine. You know, he's a he's a good music guy and producer. But he, he uh, could have had probably a lot more. <laughs> yeah. She-Ra stars Melendi Britt. I, I doubt, I'm not sure if Melendi Britt. Melendi sounds more like it. Melendi, yeah. Uh, as She-Ra. Uh, and this is honestly her biggest role. This is this is her biggest voice acting role. She's done some other stuff, but yeah. this is her main. I hope Hordak won't be too angry about his robots. Say hello for me and tell him I hope I won't see him soon. Bo and Hordak are both voiced by George DeCenzo. Looks like uh, some sort of spaceship. But it's so huge. Two weeks in which I alone will control the Velvet Glove, the most powerful warship in the galaxy. Who George DeCenzo, to me, is really best known as Lorraine's dad in Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. You know, if you remember that scene, you know, when they're back into the 50s and he's like, brings the TV up to the dinner table. Right. Um, that's that's really where you see him the best. That's where I've seen him the most. Yep. Oh, oh, oh. look at it roll. Now we can watch Jackie Gleason while we eat. John Irwin reprises his role as He-Man uh, and Beast-Man and multiple characters in this show because He-Man makes and Prince Adam make multiple appearances. Yep. Swiftwind, this rope didn't break. She-Ra must have cut it. I hope she knows what she's doing. Both Shadow Weaver and Madame Raz are voiced by Linda Gary. Oh, thank you, Great Hordak. If there is nothing else you wish of me, I will retire to my chambers. Oh, dearie, my. I'm so confused. I don't know who to listen to. Who Linda Gary, 
I don't know if we talked about her in our Spider-Man episode, but she did the voice for Aunt May yeah. in the 90s game. It's nice, Peter, but I'd be just as happy watching my cable TV. Which I, I actually really do like the Aunt May voice. Like, that's the Aunt May I think of when I hear Aunt May. Yeah. Skeletor and a lot of other characters were reprised by Alan Oppenheimer. That billion means nothing to me, Hordak. And I help no one but myself. And speaking of helping myself, I intend to help myself to this ship. Uh, we've talked about Alan Oppenheimer multiple times, but, you know, the most we probably talked about him was in our very first episode in Never Ending Story. He did the voice of Falcor, Rockbiter, and Gamork. And the narrator. And the narrator, yes, all in uh, Never Ending Story. So one of the all-time great voice actors, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, he will go down probably mostly for his Skeletor, um, but because that's such a such a unique, yes. classic, old-school 80s cartoon voice. Yeah. Which I still don't think fits... <laughs> The voice does not fit the Skeletor I would want. But you you know it's Skeletor when you hear <laughs> yes, it. Yes, it too. It's 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 cool. So the the show itself, Adora, uh, who is She-Ra, same as He-Man is Prince Adam. Uh, Adora is she's He-Man's or Prince Adam's twin sister. Yeah. And there's yeah, there's a bunch of shared characters. I will say I watched the first episode. I watched like maybe three or four episodes, honestly, yeah. of the show. Uh, and I watched episode one, and I was a little pissed. Because I had to deal with Prince Adam and Cringer in that episode quite a bit. And I also Sorceress was there, but Sorceress is fine. But I can't stand Prince Adam and Cringer. Like, their voices are awful. I hate them. There's there's a, there's a so many similarities. Uh, she has a sword that is, like, very similar to He-Man's. Yeah. Uh, that she kind of gives her the power from Grayskull. The, the animation. The animation was very similar. I mean, obviously, it was filmation. Yeah. I, I, it looked, you know, it was very identical. It's pretty much the exact same team, I would imagine. But in my opinion, that filmation animation is just, it's weak sauce. It, it's, it's weak sauce. It's not that good. I just don't think filmation's animation holds up in animation the way that, like, you know, you go back and watch Disney's animation right. from the 80s or or other, even some other cartoons or things like that. Uh, even, like, I would say that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were, were better animated than right. He-Man, and that was around the same time. Well, I mean, honestly, the whole thing is centered around trying to sell the toys. I mean, the toy yeah. came first. Yeah, of course. He-Man was created as a toy, and then a comic book, and then... Uh, and then into the cartoon to help support the toys, and then She-Ra spin off. I think I mentioned this when we talked He-Man, but I can't remember. And there was a point, actually, when the toys from She-Ra were selling better than the toys from He-Man. Oh, cool. Uh, I know I, I've mentioned this series before, but there's a story, so I think it's called The Toys That Made Us. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, they talk about He-Man and She-Ra on one of the episodes, and, and they kind of mention that. And uh, I have to say, going back, I think because I watched She-Ra after I watched Supergirl, when I started watching She-Ra, I was like, like, oh, thank God, something I can sit through. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely easier to watch. Like I, could, I I usually, if it's a show I don't care for, I'll watch one episode, maybe two. Right. And I had like three or four of them going, and I was just yeah. like, okay, yeah. Well, at this point, <laughs> we've already watched two other filmation things, so yeah. the animation, I mean, it's not great, but it doesn't bother me anymore because I'm already, I'm already used to seeing it. Definitely, definitely used to it by now. One of the things that did stand out in my opinion, in this show, was the theme song. Yeah. I am Adora, He-Man's twin sister and defender of the Crystal Castle. This is Spirit, my beloved steed. Fabulous secrets were revealed to me the day I held aloft my sword and said, For the honor of Grayskull! 
I really like that theme. I did not care for He Man's theme song on the whole theme. I, I know we, I think we discussed that on the show. You like it, and it's just it's it's all in this narration. It's really boring. The theme, right. the He the He Man one, but the Shira's one is good, and it's fun, <laughs> and it's catchy. And it's good. Shira, Shira. It's it's there's there's some actual fun to that theme song. I like it. I like that one. I like it a lot better. Yeah. And I will say, yeah, in general, I liked this show better than the He Man show. I mean, maybe maybe it's because I watched Supergirl right before it, <laughs> <laughs> and in, in comparison, you know, it was better. Right. But I I just kind of did like it better a little bit. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of tons of similarities between them. Mm-hmm. You know, they have lessons at the end of each each show. Same kind of thing as He Man did. Although at the end of uh, at the he- at the end of He Man, it wasn't it usually Prince Adam who was sort of giving the thing. No, I saw I saw Orko a few times. Orko a few times at the okay. end of him too. Yeah, but in this one, the couple episodes that I saw had this weird character that I didn't see in in the episode. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it was someone different. I want to go. I want to go over a couple of the different similarities, sure. which I did find kind of funny. So instead of having a battle cat and riding a cat into battle, she rides a horse, a big white horse called Swiftwind, which both of those animals talked. Uh, I will say I liked Swiftwind better because Swiftwind's voice wasn't annoying as shit, and it wasn't a scared little shit like Cringer was. Right. So I liked I liked her horse way better. Uh, instead of Eternia, where He Man is, they live in Etheria. Right. <laughs> it's very similar. Uh, instead of, you know, He-Man would always say, I have the power. She would say, for the honor of Grayskull. And, you know, in, in, in her transformation, she would say, I am She-Ra. Instead yep. of, I have the power. Right. Also, her sword, like, shot out some, like, laser thing, didn't it? I don't I don't remember that, but it's probably probably did. I, it seems like such a weird thing, but when He-Man turned Cringer into Battle Cat, he pointed the sword at him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She did shoot you right. But hers, like, came out of, like, a stone in the hill or something like that and she just sort of like held it out and then it shot out so it made it look really weird and strange that part i didn't like Okay. Which seems like such a small thing, but yeah, but whatever. It's easy. It's easy to nitpick. Yeah. The main villain of this show was Hordak, who honestly, Hordak is a forgettable villain. Yeah. He doesn't look. He doesn't look as cool as Skeletor. He doesn't sound as cool. He doesn't have. I don't know. Skeletor was unique. He had that. There was a lot of humor with Skeletor that kind of worked. And it's really it was cheesy humor that you know he would make those comments like those, those <laughs> you blundering boob yeah. like that kind of those comments that worked. They were so fucking Skeletor and Hordak had nothing special to him. Yeah. Uh, and so he kind of gets forgotten, but so Shira and her group are like rebelling against his evil forces. That's the main premise of the show. Yeah, I never really watched the show when I was younger, uh, and so this is pretty much you know I'm, I've probably seen a few things here, episodes here and there in syndication, but mm-hmm. never really really watched it. And yeah, but in general, I probably liked it a little bit better because I didn't have to deal with Orko and Cringer, who I I just I fucking hate them. <laughs> um, I will say this show had similar characters. They had Madame Raz, who was the magician person for right. Shira who was pretty annoying as well and Cowl who <laughs> was you know the other kind of scaredy cat kind of owly looking thing right uh, but they they weren't as bad I will say it was weird they had a talking broom in this show <laughs> like a broom that talks <laughs> <laughs> That's weird, but uh, yeah. I mean, what are you, so? What are your thoughts? Do you have anything else to add to Shira? I mean, it's I pretty much hold it in the exact same light as He Man. It's just the it's the mm-hmm. opposite side of the coin from He Man, male, female, yin yang, however you want to do it. Which it's, is good. It's good that they have that. You know, they, you know, Shira. I know is a is a big powerful female character for. for and girls. they just came out with I think Netflix came out with a new show. Yep, it's on Netflix. Um, I haven't seen it. I know people who have, and they love it. I haven't bothered to watch it yet. I looked at the animation and the 
animation style seems a little anime-esque. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, a, was it Teen Titans Go? Kind of a yeah. little bit of that, that, that. It's very, very child-centric animation, which is fine, but it just means I'm probably not going to get interested in checking right. it out. But I enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed the other Filmation ones. The, you know, there's... okay. Some interesting characters in there. You know, some of the stories are not great, and the, obviously the animation is, is not great, but... Yeah. This is our, th- our third filmation. Which one would you say is your favorite so far? For me, I probably liked Brave Star best, then She-Ra, then He-Man. I'm probably going to go with the same thing. Oh, okay. Only because I think the stories in Brave Star were a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, it, it also, I think that's pretty much also in, like, reverse order of how they came out. Yeah. I think it was pretty, and so maybe they were just getting a little bit better each time. Yeah. I mean, not mu- not much better, <laughs> but just, like, a little bit better. Right. All right. Well, that's the end of She-Ra. All right. <laughs> Actually, now we're going to, what we're going to do is what I'm excited about is we're going to cast She-Ra. Yeah. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by She-Ra. This is Princess Adora, sister of He-Man and her gentle horse. Each sold separately, you can pretend. She's lovely as a flower, but she has a secret power. The magic sword is one stroke, and she's got the strength of a tower. She-Ra, Princess of Power. And now, a She-Ra necklace for you to wear. Wow. Free in specially marked packages while supplies last. She-Ra doll, Princess of Power, comes with everything you see here. From Mattel. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. And as we kind of mentioned before, we are going to cast a live-action She-Ra. Which I don't know if this is in development or whatnot, but it probably should be. Right. I think this would be a good character that they could bring in. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I'm really, I think I have a spot-on casting for pretty much everybody, so I'm really (laughs) fucking happy. Okay, so the characters we're going to do, obviously She-Ra, Hordak, Madame Raz, Bo, who we didn't really talk about, but he kind of plays, he's kind of the love interest of She-Ra, sort of, at times, but not really. Kind At times, but I've seen him also be a love interest for other people as well. But, I mean, if they did a movie... Now he probably would end up being the love interest, if I had to guess. Right. Glimmer, who is kind of... Yeah, we didn't talk about her really either. <laughs> she's kind of like a... I, I find her to be... She's she's a powerful character. She has, like, powers. But I can find her to be, like, kind of naive and jealous at times. I've yeah. Seen, that's... Kind of like a kid sister type character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Queen Angela, who we, didn't, who we also, also didn't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> who is uh, the mother of Glimmer. She's kind of like the, I don't know, almost the sorceress character. Yeah, that's how I saw her as. Uh, Shadow Weaver, who we also didn't talk about. Not really. Shadow Weaver does have a great look to her. Yes. She looks a lot like Orko, but she's tall. She's kind of, I don't know, voluptuous, I guess. Curvy is kind of the way to put it. But she has a pretty decent evil look. Yeah. I mean, she's not. it's not great because there's a lot of... I see her and I'm like, fucking Orko. But... (laughs) <laughs> At the same time, she's she is ba- she's a badass female version. She looks way more menacing than Orko did. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like Shadow Weaver, which is why I put her on this list because I saw potential for what could be a really cool character. I agree. I agree. And just because the fucker <laughs> is in there, I put Cal on the list too. Yeah, Cal. He's he's annoying, but you know you got to have that character. He's you know the the he's the snarf. Yeah. And he's the cringer. He's yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so we'll work backwards. Before we get started, Adam, I kind of want to explain to you my vision. Okay. I kind of cast this with a specific idea. I did as well. I'll explain mine for yours. So I kind of imagined this, I don't know, not really as a movie, but I thought, 
if I wanted to see this as a Netflix series in the same vein as the Netflix Marvel ones, a little bit darker, oh, okay. a little bit more adult, a little bit more violence. That's kind of how I saw this going in. Okay. I cast most of my main characters. I actually probably cast, I'm guessing a little bit younger than you did. I went a little young, okay. like early twenties with, with my sort of, with the main cast. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I was, I'm late, later twenties for, yeah. for most of my stuff. So yeah. I, I went a little bit younger, but I'm still thinking more adult themes and that sort of thing okay so i i saw it as a movie we already did a casting for he-man yeah and so in my opinion i kind of did like all right this is going to tie in to that casting okay and so i re-looked at that casting i made sure i didn't cast anybody right even though there are similar characters <laughs> i didn't i made sure i didn't cast anyone who i had already cast before yeah in that one but i for me i definitely wanted this to be uh, a film and so mm-hmm. i have you know probably some bigger actors ones that i think would be a good lead and tie in to because I, I get i similar with you i wanted it more adult because he-man could be a badass and and so we cast them to be a little bit darker a little bit you know full good movie and so i wanted the exact same kind of thing for she-ra mm-hmm. okay all right, so we'll start with, honestly, the character that if I were in charge of this remake, I would probably cut out. Yep. Or I would change it, which is Cowl. Even though I see this as sort of a serious thing, I kind of cast him in a goofy way. I cast someone who is a pretty big actor, but, you know, we're in the age now where there is no film actors and TV actors. There's Everyone does everything because... Pr- premiere acting right now seems to be on TV. Yeah. Like, that. This this is, like, you're getting your best acting on things like... A Game of Thrones or, you know, like you did with Breaking Bad, that's kind of helped push because you can develop characters really, really well, yeah. better than you can on T on in movies. And so I think, yeah, I, I think it, and you're getting crossover like never seen before. Right. So in the TV show, Cal seemed to have a little bit of an English accent. So I leaned hard into that. And my Cal is, <laughs> yeah. is uh, Eddie Redmayne. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, he, he's got a... He can definitely be... I could hear him doing like an annoying, scared kind of character. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that fits just fine. And with those those little side characters, you can have some huge names, and I think it, they work. Right, especially if they don't take a huge part of the, the showtime. And Cowell would... If I made him something similar to what he actually is in the cartoon, he's going to be CG. Yeah. If I'm running a TV show, that's a huge budget, so that means I'm not going to use him a lot. Yeah, so. true. So yeah, I I just thought that he he would fit sort of the Cal Snarf yeah characterization yeah. very likely. Uh, I didn't put too much thought into my Cal <laughs> casting. I'm not gonna lie. Really, I just ended up thinking, I knowing it's gonna be a CG character, and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna pick a voice actor, and I know this guy can do whatever I need, it, literally anything I need. He's a great actor. Probably most best known for all the different Simpsons characters that he do, does. I did Hank Azaria. Okay. I was like, I need, I want a strong voice person who I know if they need to be annoying, they can be annoying. If they need to do whatever, they can do whatever. And so, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just kinda, I'm just kind of like, oh, out of my knowledge of random voice actors, who have I not used? <laughs> Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria, yeah. <laughs> no, that that would totally work. All right. So uh, let's go to the uh, to the other side of the, the dark side of the coin, mm-hmm. uh, to Shadow Weaver, a character that I think in a, in a serious movie has a lot of potential yes. for some really cool stuff. I guess I'll just keep jumping in since I already started. At first, I actually thought, who has a really good, because you don't see their face, and I like it that way. I wouldn't want want to see their face. I would want them to be like this. So I thought who had a really good voice? I really liked the voice that Julie Andrews did of the Karathan in Aquaman. Oh, I still haven't seen Aquaman. I got to get on that. But in the end, 
I kind of typecast it. I'm like, who's good at playing a dark, evil witch? Helena Bonham Carter. That's pretty much just her <laughs> persona. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? She would add some crazy to it. So that's my that's my Shadow Weaver. No, that's good. I, I definitely considered her definitely for, for that exact role. But I very similarly went with someone who I thought could play a fa- seems fairly evil sorceress. Mm-hmm. There is some voluptuousness to Shadow Weaver. And this character in Game of Thrones definitely has some of that voluptuousness by and also being a pretty much a witch. I went with Carice Von Van Houten, who plays Melisandre oh, yeah. in Game of Thrones. Oh, that's a good one, too. It's it's a 100 percent pick up the character, <laughs> put it in, <laughs> in this thing. You don't have to change much. All you're doing is putting a cowl over. Yes, exactly. Uh, just hiding her face. So, yeah, very, very similar. No, that's a great one, too. She wouldn't add as much personality as Helena Bonham Carter probably would. True. They, but, they, but they're both, I think they both would be good. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Queen Angela. Uh, I Honestly, you could put a lot of different people in this role. Yep. Probably wouldn't have to play too big of a role. So I went with someone who I actually saw on TV the other day, and I was like, you know what? I haven't seen her in a lot of things lately, and it'd be fun to see her back. Uh, she's, I don't know if she's, uh, I don't know why I just thought this. I was thinking, well, maybe she's not that tall. I don't know what tall would really have anything to do with it. I mean, you can make anyone look anything yeah. you want to in a in a in you know on, on film. It's the moving but pictures. I, you can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Huzzah! So I was thinking, I haven't seen Mina Savari in anything, and I bet she'd make a good queen. She's a little bit older now. Yeah. Um, especially because I cast my main cast a little bit younger, she could probably fit into that. I know in the story she is the mother of Glimmer. Yes. And I might still be able to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, Mina Savari. I mean, she's she's probably your age. She was probably born in eighty or something. Yeah. Yeah, or even oh, she, older. Yeah, she's she's probably close to my age, of, if not a little of yeah. a year or two older. Closing in on forty. <laughs> Thanks. So if you so if you had a younger younger glimmer, then I think that totally could work. Yeah. You're, get, you're getting old, John. Deal with it. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> I can't stop it. So all right, that's my. Queen Angela, okay. what about you? I like I like Menesavari quite a bit. Yeah, and you're right. I haven't seen her in a while. And so I think it's cool. Uh, I went with someone who is definitely older than Menesavari, but and someone who can definitely play someone as powerful as Queen Angela. This actress, I just want to... She's already in a lot of stuff, but I do want to see her in more because she's so fucking good in everything she does. <laughs> like, literally, whatever she does, she is a fantastic actress. She's probably one of the premier actresses right now. If she's playing an evil character, she nails it. If she's playing a good character, she nails it. Powerful character, whatever. Or, uh, you know, anything that she does, she does a great job. I picked Viola Davis as my Queen oh, okay. Angela. I mean, you, okay. you can kind of go a lot of different routes with Queen Angela because she doesn't... I don't know. There's not much depth to her. And so... I think Viola Davis could add depth. It's funny that you say that. I actually think I looked at her. Mm, yeah, that would have been cool. For this role. I It was either for this role or maybe actually even Shadow Weaver, I think I looked at her for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we know she can play evil well. She was the only good part of Suicide Squad, or really one of the only <laughs> good parts of Suicide Squad, was her right. performance, so... Okay, so now we're on to Glimmer, which I found out the original name of this character was Shimmer, <laughs> but for some reason, all of the voice actors were having trouble saying the name correctly. <laughs> so they just changed it to Glimmer? To, to Glimmer. <laughs> That's funny. 
So, and she kind of has like like pinkish purple hair yeah. in the cartoon. And I was like, I still want them to have purple yeah, hair. Yeah, me too. But I changed it up a little bit. I obviously, I'm going a little younger. I think, I tried looking back on her ones and I couldn't find her, but I swear you used her in a casting once. Uh, I went with uh, Marseille Martin. Or Marsai Martin, I'm not sure how she says her name. Uh, she's on the TV show Blackish. Yeah, she's Blackish. Yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely used her before. She was my good boy when we did uh, Great Lakes Avengers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I actually, in my head, I would cut her hair short, mm-hmm. like sort of that tight fro looking, and then make it all purple. Like not quite the bald girls from Black Panther look, but a little bit like short hair, and then make it all purple, and then just make her badass. Yeah. Now she would be. She's. I, I like her quite a bit. She's one of my favorite parts of blackish uh, a show that i think is hilarious i think her character really strives i think she's she's gonna go far in the industry in my opinion all right that's my glimmer nice that's a good one i went to, so I, I did keep queen angela and uh, glimmer as mother daughter in this one uh and i went with an actress honestly this was maybe one of my earlier castings that i was just like you know what i want her in something i haven't cast her yet but she is another actress who i think is going to take hollywood by storm these next couple years particularly Particularly because of how awesome she was as Shuri in Black Panther ah. and Infinity War. I went with Latita Wright. She's awesome. Okay. I want to see her in a lot of things right now, and I think yeah. she will go far. So as she is my glimmer. I like that. And I, again, I want her her purple hair as well. So Yeah. <laughs> I like that call. I yeah. like that call a lot. Uh, all right. So now, Bo, who's an archer, right? Yeah. Yeah. He has, he has this big bow that he carries around, and he'll be the, the bow of uh, She-Ra, maybe. Uh, <laughs> like, huh? Huh? Uh, they don't call them bows anymore. They call them bay. It went from bow to bay. <laughs> <laughs> I just quit paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so for my bow, I hate to say he's not anything special, but he hasn't really been in anything, you know, that's groundbreaking. But I think he's a pretty decent actor. Uh, He was in one thing that I really loved. Unfortunately, it's just his voice. You don't see him. He did the main character of Hero in Big Hero 6. Uh, Uh, He's also playing Beast Boy right now in the Titan series, and that's Ryan Potter. Okay, yeah. I definitely went, I went older than you. Yeah. I think you can go a lot of different directions with Bo, but he's a good looking kid. I'm sure he could do it. Yeah. So yeah, he played hero. Yeah. I, I haven't really seen much of his stuff or like seen him, seen him right. act right. in things. Uh, but yeah, playing Beast Boy. I, I, I have no interest in watching Titans, but maybe he's good. That's probably a good casting, John. <laughs> okay. That was the one that I thought you would be the most indifferent to. I, I, and I am. I'm super indifferent to it. <laughs> My casting, I went, this this character is my biggest name for sure. This actor is the biggest name that I went with. Partly just because when I saw the show, I was just like, you know what? I think you kind of look like Ryan Gosling with a mustache. I just went with Ryan Gosling. I mean, it might be too small of a character for him, but I don't think so. I think, you know, he could play like the side, you know, because I'd want to keep Bo not a huge character. This is She-Ra's story. I want right. She-Ra to be the main, but I think he could he could play second fiddle and he, sh- he should be okay with that. He's done that before. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I just went with Ryan Gosling. I was like, oh, you're a okay. good looking dude. You look like you yeah. could be an archer. Put a slap on a stash. I was to say, would you keep the mustache? Oh, gotta have the mustache. Gotta <laughs> have the mustache. <laughs> 
the next character, honestly, is one for me can be take it or leave. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, she's the Orko kind of. She's the Orko, but you could probably if you changed her enough, you could you know to make. I to think do you just use her it. minimally. Yeah, like she's just a character that you go to get you know the one special equipment or to learn that one little lesson, and then you move on from. It's not one that you need very much. Right. But it's but so it can be it can still be like a silly annoying character. It kind of like the Miracle Max from yeah. Princess Bride. You don't want you don't want to have too much Miracle Max. But you get yeah. just enough. Uh, and so this is kind of similar. You, you go to get your something to keep moving on your journey. And that's where, because I don't want Madame Raz in the whole thing. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And Madame Raz is kind of uh, short and quirky. Mm-hmm. So I went with somebody who's kind of short and quirky. I actually went with Yardley Smith. Obviously, most famously, the voice of Lisa Simpson yeah. on The Simpsons. Pretty much, I think that's the only voice she does on The Simpsons. She doesn't do any of the extra characters. Yeah, like very minimal, it looks like. Yes, no, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely remember her from City Slickers as well. Yeah, I loved her in City Slickers. It's a small part. Yes. But I loved it, her part in that. Yeah. No, and yeah, she's got a good look. Uh, being a very strong voice voice actress, yeah, I think that's that's a solid choice. Cool. I leaned into the kind of weird, annoying side of it. <laughs> I think. Okay. And so I went with uh, a character who I very intentionally used Miracle Max as uh, my reference for this, for what I, how I would utilize this character, because Miracle Max's wife is who I cast. I cast Carol Kane. Oh, that's a good call. She's very uh, quirky. Quirky is a perfect way to put it as well. Yeah. And that she could just kind of be that person that comes in for just a little bit and heads out. You know, you've seen her in Unstoppable or Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Princess Bride. Uh, she was mm-hmm. awesome in Scrooged. Awesome in Scrooged. And oh, yeah. As, you know, as that fairy. And, and that's it's the same, similarist kind of like that. I want her to bring, you know, those kind of vibes. And so, yeah. Love that choice. Cool. Thank you. All right. So now our, our main bad guy, Hordak. Something would have to be done to make Hordak a little bit cooler character. <laughs> yes. He's yeah. Uh, he's sort of the Inspector Gadget of this universe. Bum, ba, dum, ba, dum. His arms can turn into different things. <laughs> yes. I don't know how I would adjust the character, but he's got to, you got to change some shit because he's not, he's just not cool enough and he's not interesting enough as is. So I chose an actor who I think could make it, make him interesting and dark. I love his role in the movie The Sum of All Fears. I loved his short stint on Game of Thrones. And I really think he needs some redemption. And I don't blame him for this. I think he needs some redemption as Steppenwolf from the Justice League movie. Oh. Uh, I went with, and I never pronounce his name right, uh, Sierra Hines. Sierra yeah. Hines. Um, he's a great actor. Given some good writing, he could make this character nice and menacing and dark. Yeah, agreed. He is he is a really good actor, and I agree about the Steppenwolf character. He he really wasn't given a good shot uh, in that film to to show his acting quality. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Actually, that's a that's quite a good call. He could be good villain, which you know he wasn't as good in that one. But I don't really blame him because it's not like his performance was horrible. No, but the character didn't look good. They didn't they didn't do good things with the character when he was Mance Raider in uh, Game of Thrones. Like there was actually depth. To, like, you know, this character, you know, there was a lot of, you know, it wasn't just, oh, here's the, all these wildlings that he's trying to get to take right. over. Well, then the, the story, granted, you know, he had better writing to probably work with <laughs> right. in Game of Thrones. But, like, he he added some good shit to that character. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, that's a great call. That's a great call. Cool. I like that call a lot. Um, I kind of, maybe I didn't think hard enough, but I, I went with a really good villain actor. We've seen him... 
in tons of things. He is a great villain in the movie In Bruges, if you haven't seen it, but most people know him. And maybe I tied in the white head from Hordak to kind of the white <laughs> face of uh, Voldemort <laughs> in uh, okay. Harry Potter, but he's a fantastic actor. He does tons of different things. I want to see him in more and more stuff. I went with Ray Fiennes oh, yeah, yeah. as my as my Hordak. He, I think, similarly to Ciaran, Caria, whatever, uh, oh, yeah. they would add depth to the character that we obviously both felt was pretty lacking. Yeah, but that's a great choice too. Sometimes the actors are so good that Mm-hmm. You can just give them almost anything and be like, yes, make something of this. Absolutely. Especially if you give them a character. If you give them a character that has a certain type of personality, I can see how even casting a good actor may not feel like it fits with it. But if you give them a character that doesn't have a lot, mm-hmm. they can make it their own. And that's when you give a good actor a character that needs more development yes. and they will take it there. Yeah, true. And I think we both picked two actors that could do that. <laughs> All right. So now our main yes. character, She-Ra, Adora. She-Ra, She-Ra. Uh, this actually was, I think, the first person I cast. And I I don't remember what made me think of her because, actually, I haven't really seen most of the movies she's been in. <laughs> However, she's gotten a lot of critical acclaim, and I've I've seen a lot of interviews with her, and she's very kind of fun and quirky, and it would seem like a great person to work with. Not that that would make a good, you mm-hmm. know, a good actor. However, she's won some, she's won some acclaim for a lot of the things she's done mostly i think now she's not really known for action but there is one movie that she's definitely done some action in that was the movie hannah mm. and so i went with the actress from ladybird saoirse ronan all right i've definitely seen her face before i didn't i never saw never saw i don't think i saw anything that she's been in but I've definitely seen her face. I mean, she's she's been in, like, you know, Brooklyn got a lot of uh, critical acclaim. Lady Bird got a lot of critical acclaim. I haven't seen the movie Hannah all the way through, mm-hmm. but I've seen some of the clips. And actually, I kind of want to go back because she plays a little badass in that movie. Okay. And uh, I think it's her and Eric Bana in Hannah. Okay. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. It just did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't seen... Oh, I saw Grand Budapest Hotel. I don't really remember her all that much in that. But yeah, okay. Yeah, I think she's got a good look and she's been in enough good stuff. So yeah, I think that's a good call. Okay. I went with uh, an actress who, oh, actually is, I thought she was uh, younger than <laughs> than what she actually is, but she looks definitely younger. Okay. My actress, I wanted to play kind of like in that early 30s, late 20s. Okay. This actress is actually over 40, but that doesn't bother me because I think she'll she'll kill it and she's got, a, she's got a very young look to her. Okay. But you've cast her multiple times now. I haven't cast her yet and I think she would kill it in She-Ra. Uh, I went with Catherine Winnick from Vikings. I actually did consider her before I decided I wanted to go younger. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, she's a little too older, but you know what? She looks younger. It's funny. She does look younger and in the TV show she's in Vikings, they're trying to pass time Mm -hmm. and so they're trying to make her look older, but all they did was gray up her hair (laughs) and so now she just looks like a young woman with gray hair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She she definitely, I was surprised when I just saw, oh wait, she's over 40 because yeah, she looks like she's in her mid-20s honestly. No, but I could totally see her as as she-ra and so that's a great call i love katherine winnick uh she's great in vikings for her small role in the dark tower she was good in it despite the movie itself being not great um so no nope, cool. great calls All right. we got the yeah some good i didn't good think she-ras. there was really any issues no no i think yeah both of the castings are pretty solid nobody went yeah and there's no bad stuff in there no uh no huge surprises but i think uh, either cast in any configuration could probably work pretty well yeah good job some solid cast right there All right, and that was our casting for 
Shira. Shira, Shira. Please join us next time for another album review episode. Adam and John review the early 90s hip hop album, Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days in the Life of, by Arrested Development. No, not the show the hip-hop group. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows from your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.